0: My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm standing just outside the Russian Winter Palace in St. Petersburg. This was the Winter Palace of Russian royalty, and behind me is a door that leads to a fabulous staircase that was once called Her Majesty's Staircase. But it was renamed after events that occurred in October 1917, very early in the morning on October the 26, 1917 revolutionaries penetrated the palace through this door. They wandered up the staircase into the magnificent White Hall. I'm sure the revolutionaries must have been stunned when they saw the enormity of the room and its decorations, but that was just the beginning because as they continued wandering through the palace, they walked into the gold room, which was simply a living room. Its walls were adorned with 11 pounds of gold. From there they meandered into the boudoir, then into the music room, and finally down a very long corridor whose walls were covered with magnificent, expensive tapestries. And eventually they wandered into the malachite room, a fabulous room whose exteriors are veneered with two tons of malachite. Then they moved next door into the white dining room where the provisional government was seated. The provisional government that night had begun in the Malachite Room. The bombing had begun from that side of the palace. So to protect themselves, they left the Malachite Room, moved into the white dining room, which really is a relatively small room. It had been used as the private dining quarters of the royal family. Its walls were surrounded with tapestries of different continents of the world. So as the Romana family would have dinner, they would be reminded of their immense power over vast swaths of the world. But on that night, the provisional government, 17 of them, were meeting in that small room when the revolutionaries entered and arrested them. In fact, for many, many years, the clock on the mantle of that room was stopped exactly at 2.10, to commemorate the very moment when the provisional government was arrested and was sent to prison across the river inside the Peter and Paul fortress. It is amazing that such a revolutionary history-making moment began in such a small room. Even today when you go into the white dining room, the size of it is very unimpressive compared to the other rooms inside the Winter Palace. It's just a small room. But in that very small room, events took place that were so demonic in origin that it changed all of human history. It affected millions of millions of lives, including the Russian Civil War, which really began that day and lasted until 1922, in which millions of lives were taken, politics, were changed all over the world. Communism began to rage the planet. It all started in that small white dining room. But my friends, that shows how powerful is the influence and how demonic are the roots of strife. Strife is destructive. Strife is demonic. Look at the consequences of strife and you'll see where its origins come from. Today I'm going to talk to you about strife and how to put an end to it in your relationships. Stay with me. It's going to be good today.
1: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick
0: welcome to today's program my name is rick renner and today i'm wrapping up my brand new series called overcoming strife have you ordered your series yet today is the last day we're offering it on the program so please order yours right now it comes in five parts and in multiple formats and you can order this by going online or you can just give us a call and It comes with the study guide. Please order the study guide along with the series so you can read it while you hear it or while you see it and really get this teaching down deep inside you. Everyone has to deal with strife from time to time. You need to know how to close the door to strife and how to overcome it. And that's why I'm teaching this series this week. Please order yours right now. And today is the last day we're offering you my book, which is called You Can Get Over It. How to confront, forgiven, move on. The back of the book says, someone may have wronged you in the past or you may be in a painful situation right now, but you don't have to let anyone's actions against you pollute your present attitude or prevent God's good plan for your future. No harbored offense is worth sabotaging your future. This is a book you need or you know someone else who needs it. And I encourage you to order yours today. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, you say, well, what's a partner? A partner is someone who regularly, financially gives to our ministry to help us take this teaching to people all over the world. It is amazing. They're right from your home, right from where you are without ever getting out of your chair. By calling or going online, you can do something that will make a difference in someone else's life. And when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you Denise's book, The Gift of Forgiveness, and my book called Life in the Combat Zone. We always send these two books to anyone who becomes a partner with our ministry. And please remember that if you need prayer, we want to hear from you so we can pray for you. Give us a call or send us an email. The moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to really pray for God to move mightily in your life. But reach for your Bible. Today, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to see how to put an end to strife. And when you come to Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, follow peace with all men. Well, that can be pretty difficult to do, but we're commanded to do it in this verse. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Then verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. But notice how he begins at the very first of verse 14. He says, follow after peace. Let's begin with that word peace. The word peace in Greek is the word arene. It describes the cessation of war, a decision to put away the weapons, to put the conflict away. The Greek word arane here translated peace, actually describes a time of rebuilding, a time of reconstruction, or a time of peace. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us we have to make a decision to put the conflict away and begin a time of rebuilding, a cessation of war. It is a choice. And he tells us we have to follow after this in order to obtain it. The word follow in Greek is the old Greek word dioko. The word dioko can be translated to follow, but it actually was a hunting term that was used to picture a hunter who picked up all of his hunting gear and dressed in his camouflage clothing, and he's going to pursue an animal until finally he gets his game. He is so committed to get his game that the hunter, Dioko is going to follow and follow and follow and follow and not stop until he gets his game. He's going to follow after the tracks of the animal. He's going to follow the scent of the animal. He is going to look for every little broken twig along the way to see where the animal has walked by. He is going to follow and follow and follow and not stop following until finally he captures his game. That is the word that is used here, which means if we want to have peace in our relationships. If we want to have the cessation of war, put all the weapons aside, enter into a time of reconstruction and rebuilding and a time of peace, we can't wait for peace to come to us. We have to make a decision. I'm going to put on my hunting clothes. I'm going to follow the tracks of peace. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to obtain peace in my relationships. And I'm not going to stop until finally I have gotten my game, which in this case is peace in my relationships. You cannot wait for it to come to you. You have to take the initiative. And in fact, the verse goes on to say, follow peace with all men, which means it's God's will for you to have peace in your relationships with everyone. And then it says, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The word holiness is a form of the Greek word hagias. The word hagias here translated holiness describes something that is separate or something that is different, which means God is calling you and me to a higher standard. People in the world can slug it out. They can verbally fight it out, but God has called us to holiness, the Greek word hagias, which means God has called us to be separate. God has called us to act differently. God has called us to a higher standard. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. It matters what God is asking of us. And God has asked us not to behave like others, to come to a higher level, to be separate, to be different, to follow after peace and be different, be holy, act like we should. And then he says, without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, this makes me ask a question. Does that mean if you have bitterness in your heart or a lack of peace, you're not going to go to heaven? No, it doesn't mean that. There are a lot of people who died bitter, but they went to heaven. Then what does this mean? When the Bible says, will not see the Lord, the Greek word means will not be admitted into the immediate presence of the Lord, which means strife is a blocker. Strife will block you from the presence of the Lord. If you've got strife working in your heart, you can be in a church service where everyone else is experiencing the presence of God and you'll feel nothing because strife is a blocker. It blocks you from the anointing. It blocks you from the presence of the Lord. You do not want to have strife in your life. But to get rid of it, you've got to be very committed. Number one, you have to make a decision. I'm going to obtain peace in my relationships. If I have to follow after it and follow after it and follow after it and follow after it, I'm not going to stop until finally I capture peace with my spouse Capture peace with my siblings. Capture peace with my pastor or my boss or my fellow employees or my friends. I'm going to capture peace. I'm going to put on my hunting clothes. I'm determined. I'm not going to stop until finally I have peace with all men. I'm going to behave differently. I'm going to come up to the standard that God expects of me. And as a result, I'm going to experience the presence of God. But then we're told in verse 15, This takes a serious commitment. That's why he says, looking diligently. Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. But notice he begins in verse 15 by saying, looking diligently. It means you have to be very diligent about not walking in strife and having peace in your relationships and in Greek looking diligently is the Greek word episkopos it's a compound of two words the word epi which means over and the word skopos means to look skopos is where we get the term for a telescope or a microscope it means to look but when you compound the word epi and skopos together it forms the word episkopos which means to look over to manage To give oversight to a thing, and it is the New Testament word for a bishop, which means God is calling you to be a bishop. He's calling me to be a bishop. You say a bishop? A bishop of what? God has called you, listen to me, He has called you to be the bishop of your own heart. It is your heart, it's not anyone else's heart. You cannot blame anyone else for what's going on inside your heart. Even if someone else did something wrong to you, you are the only one that has the authority to say yes to strife and offense in your heart. It is your heart. And this verse commands us to accept responsibility that we are the bishops of our own heart. And what goes on in our heart is our business to correct And this verse says, be serious about it, looking diligently, bishoping your own heart. And it goes on to say, looking diligently, lest, which means if you're not serious about taking care of your heart, here's what's going to happen to you. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Well, now that is a very strange statement. How do you fail of the grace of God? Grace is something that God just freely does for you. You don't do anything to earn it or to deserve it. God just graces you. So how can you fail of it? Well, let me give you an illustration. Perhaps you're dealing with somebody that's very difficult. You've been offended. You've been in strife with them. You've been praying, God, please help me. And suddenly grace shows up. You're graced. And in a moment, God instructs you how to resolve this relationship. In that moment, you have to take responsibility for your heart and embrace the grace. If you back up and say, you know what, I know what I need to do, but I'm not willing to do it, that grace that came to help you will become ineffective. That's why we're told by the Apostle Paul not to frustrate the grace of God. God will come to you with grace and empower you to do what you need to do to fix a relationship. But if you deny the grace or frustrate the grace, that grace will be vain. It will be ineffective. This verse says, God's grace will come to help you forgive. God's grace will come to help you resolve the situation. But if you don't accept the grace and partner with the grace, you will fail of the grace that was supposed to do something magnificent in your life. You'll frustrate it until it cannot do its job. So he says, looking diligently, be serious, take responsibility for your heart. If you're not responsible for your heart, if you don't partner with the grace that comes, then the grace will not be able to do its job. That's exactly what this verse means. And it goes on to say, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The word root is the Greek word rydza. The word rydza describes something that is deeply, deeply, deeply rooted. And it tells us that bitterness has very long roots. Bitterness has roots so long that they could go from one generation to another generation and to another generation. It may be that you do not know the people that your grandparents were hurt by, but you're offended by them because the roots of bitterness Passed from your grandparents to your parents. Now it's gone all the way to you. Some people are offended with entire nations that they've never met and they have never visited. But a root of bitterness was passed on to them by relatives or by friends. Roots of bitterness are very deep. And the Bible here says, less any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. The word springing up is the Greek word "phuō." In Greek, it describes a little plant that's beginning to pierce its way up through the soil. It's beginning to pierce its way up through the soil. And here the Holy Spirit is telling us to pay attention to what we say, to what we think, to what we feel. Because when our root of bitterness is working inside us, it will begin to manifest. It will show up as a sour attitude Saying something sarcastic, saying something caustic, something that is sharp, it will begin to spring up. You need to pay attention to what you think, to what you feel, and to the words that come out of your mouth. If you're beginning to speak caustic, sour, sharp words, that is the evidence that there's a seed down deep that's beginning to produce life, and you need to rip it out by the roots before it turns into something terrible. And in fact, the verse goes on to say, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. The word trouble, the Greek word enoklia, which means to hound, to harass, or to stalk you. To harass you, to hound you, to even to stalk you. If you have hounding thoughts of someone, If it's like thoughts of that person just stalk you and harass you all the time, that is evidence that a spirit of strife and a root of bitterness is working in you. And what is really sad is the person that you're upset with probably is not bothered at all, but you are hounded by thoughts of them. That is the evidence that a root of bitterness and a spirit of strife is beginning to work inside your heart. And the verse goes on to say, it will trouble you, it will hound you, it will harass you, it will stalk you, and as a result, thereby many will be defiled. And here's what happens. You begin eventually speaking what you think about that other person, whether it's true or not. It's what you feel, it's what you think. And when you speak those words in front of others, you stain other people's view of that person. Mm. You give your spirit of bitterness to somebody else. They had no problem at all, but you give them a problem because you stain that person's reputation in their eyes. And now every time they hear that person's name or see them, their mind is stained with the memory of what you said about that person. You give your spirit of strife and bitterness. To other people. It's horrible. What happens when you don't take responsibility for your heart? And that's why we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 looking diligently. I understand. Sometimes it's hard to forgive, sometimes it's difficult to pursue peace. But we're commanded in Scripture to put on our hunting gear and make the decision that we're going to go into a time of peace. We're going to put away the weapons. We're going to put the conflict away. We're going to, be able to begin the process of rebuilding and reconstruction, enter into a time of peace with those people. We're going to pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, until finally we've captured peace with our spouse, captured peace with our siblings or our family or our friends or our fellow employees and be holy. Be separate, be different, come up to the standard that God expects of us. And we need to understand that if we're not willing to do what God asks, it will keep us from experiencing the presence of God. That's what we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And we're told in verse 15 that if you don't take the grace of God that is available to help you fix this, you'll end up with a root of bitterness that will hound you. It will harass you. It will stalk you. And you will end up negatively affecting others. And my friend, you don't want that to be your story. So accept the grace of God that will empower you to follow after peace with all men, and if you'll take the initiative to follow after peace, you can close every door to strife, overcome strife, and you will experience the glorious presence of God and be freed. I'll be back in just a
1: moment, and I want to pray for you. From time to time, strife tries to get into all our lives. Strife is an evil force that divides people, causes heartaches, and can even destroy relationships. Rick Renner says... Years ago, Denise and I made a no-strife policy in our lives and ministry, and it permanently shut the door to strife. And if you'll make the choice to have a no-strife policy, that decision can permanently keep strife out of your life. In this practical and powerful series, Overcoming Strife, Rick teaches how to stop giving place to strife in your life, how to stop your tongue from speaking poisonous words, how strife in its basic form is demonic and destructive, how to follow after peace and obtain it, How to permanently avoid the fruit of bitterness and strife you really can permanently shut the door to strife in this powerful series Rick will help you to know how to slam that door shut forever and it will change your life this five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10 in addition we're also offering you the book you can get over it this 195 page hardback book is packed with solutions about how you can successfully deal with difficult people and how you can get over the hurts you've experienced in life along the way. You can recover. This book will show you how, and it can be yours for just $15. Don't miss this special offer, the five-part series, Overcoming Strife, and the book You Can Get Over It. Call the number on your screen now, or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
2: Well, they will call and say, I just happened to come across this, this man and his demeanor and his, uh, he has such a peace about him. And I really like the fact that he is so versed in the word of God, so versed in uh, what he's teaching on. You can tell he really puts the time into it, but he's also easy to listen to because um, i you know, Pastor Rick is operating in his gift. And within that gift, there is um, a certain circle of people that may not always follow certain teachings, whether it be on healing or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that wasn't their background, but the way Pastor Rick's demeanor is, and because of his um, study of the word, they take the time to listen. I've prayed with a lot of people that have been saved their whole life, been in church their whole life, and said, he makes me trust that if I call you and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that I'm getting something that's scriptural. And so that that just blesses me. And then we talk to a lot of people from other countries. I, I mean, we talk to people all over the world. Some people call in and think that we're in Russia. And we're like, no, this is his stateside office. He does have an office in Russia, but we talk to people. I mean, I just talked to someone this morning from Norway. We talked to people from Canada. We talked to people from India. So it's not just within the United States. We're talking to people all over the world. And we're reaching the whole world from right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's exciting. it was a great connection for them so many people are isolated have been isolated and they were fearful and they found a place where they could be encouraged taught strengthened prayed for and people who loved on them and cared for them
0: My friend, we are growing as a ministry. People are responding to the teaching of the Bible. They're reaching out to us for resources, for prayer, and for ministry. And God has given us the awesome responsibility of ministering to them, and we need more space to do it. So, would you please pray about becoming a part of the giving team to help with our ministry expansion project? today i've wrapped up my teaching on overcoming strife have you ordered your series yet it's a five-part series called overcoming strife it comes in multiple formats everyone has to deal with strife from time to time and some people seem to deal with it perpetually but you can close the door to strife and you can overcome it and that's why i taught this series i want you to have victory over strife And it comes with a wonderful study guide. And right now, we're also offering you for the last day this week, my book called You Can Get Over It. And you can. The back of the book says, someone may have wronged you in the past, but what matters now is that you stop bitterness and unforgiveness before it begins producing deadly fruit in your life. God wants to help you so this pain and trouble doesn't immobilize you any longer. And that's why I wrote this book, so you can confront it, forgive it, and move on. And I know moving on is what you really want to do. So order yours today. You can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call. And please remember that when you reach out to us, we want to know how to pray for you. So let us know how to pray for you. If you'll tell us how to pray and what is your need, we'll put our faith to work with yours for God to do something magnificent in your life, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things. We'll call out to God with you in faith and God will do something mighty for you. I believe that. But Father, I thank you for the grace of God that is present right now to help us make important decisions about our relationships. And thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to pursue peace with all men in Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you Monday. Until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8:4, where the word of a king is, there is power.